Women Taking the Lead, episode 169. You know, the fact that we did have smaller numbers, but we're having such great conversion rates really made me revisit everything I had really experienced and believed and seen with like, you know, your email list numbers or your Twitter following or your Facebook following that it really isn't about these massive numbers. It's really how the people are taking the value from you or if you're adding enough value that they're going to, you know, somehow deliver it back to you and just cultivating those relationships because you only need a couple. You only need a couple really great relationships to really get you going in whatever it is that you're trying to do. So that shifted my perspective in lots of areas. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Every child wants to be the hero of their own story. At JulesCustomBooks.com, your child plays the central role in every book, bringing joy and delight when they hear their name and those of their family and friends. Visit JulesCustomBooks.com to make your child the star of the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Emily Thompson, and Emily was a self-starter from the get-go and began her trajectory of being her own boss by owning a tanning salon in college, no joke. From there, she started making and selling jewelry online, which fueled her passion for online business as a whole. She moved from designing jewelry to designing websites at Indie Shopography, where her natural talent for coding, project management, and ability to use metrics to make calculated decisions has allowed her to continue to expand reach and impact for online business owners ever since. Emily uses that experience to share what she knows about building an online business on the Being Boss podcast, where she inspires, writes, and curates content to help creatives own their path and be more boss. I love how you put that, Emily. And that's just a little overview for everyone. So if you could tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Well, I guess that's about it. Every time I hear that, I think, damn, it sounds <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I, um, I have always been a maker. I've always been very entrepreneurial. Whenever I was a kid, I remember painting rocks and taking them around the neighborhood and trying to make my neighbors buy them. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of always been in my blood. And, um, and I did, I started my online business and I really feel like that's where like my, my current position really began. Um, the tanning salon in college was just kind of this fun thing that I stumbled into. Taught me a lot of things about running my own business. Uh, running my own business. But whenever I think about, I don't know what I'm really doing now in online business. It was definitely um, doing jewelry, selling it online. I um, I've been self-employed for almost ten years now, which is kind of crazy to me, um, and really awesome. And I really really love what I love what I do. I love the clients that I get to work with. Um, you know, doing websites for six years for um, for all kinds of creatives who are trying to start online businesses really taught me a ton about digital products and about presenting yourself online and about creating content that drives traffic and really positions you as an expert. Um, it's just been 
you know, 10 years of lots of learning. Um, and I feel like I'm really just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Emily, I love um, hearing your story and what you're up to, because I think sometimes we tend to label and pigeonhole people that if you're a creative, then you can't possibly have technical skill. And if you're techie, then you couldn't possibly be this imaginative creative. But you started creating jewelry and then realized you were really good at coding and <laughs> loved building websites. So you have both of those things going on at the same time. Yeah, I do. I actually, I started coding websites in high school. It was something I did, you know, in the evenings or at, uh, on the weekends before I had a driver's license um, or cared too much about boys, I guess. Um, I was teaching myself how to, how to code websites. Um, and it was all very like creative then. Like I had like a little online, online blog sort of thing. I think that was before they were even called blogs. And I was just redesigning it constantly and just getting into the code and playing with it and changing colors and doing things with color palettes and, and images and stuff. And so it was for me, design and development websites, um, go really hand in hand, even though like there's a whole world out there that believes that they're completely separate. Um, and I know not everyone has both skill sets, but, um, but that really sort of, that really is the marriage of like the super techie side of me and the really creative, like artsy side of me. Um, and I don't know. I really loved that. I'm kind of sad I don't do more of it now because being boss does take so much, uh, so much of my my time and effort. But I do get to bring all of those skills, both the design side and the development side, into anything that I do online, uh, which is probably one of my favorite things about it. Mm -hmm. And it makes you unique, stand out from your competition. And as we know in business, that's what it's all about. You got to bring your own flair. Yeah. to what you're doing <laughs> to have you stand out of the crowd. You know, and Emily, we're, we're kind of talking at 10,000 feet. All of this stuff is true, but I want to bring it down to the ground level a little bit here because, you know, it, it seems like from what people could take in right now that you've just naturally like one foot in front of the other, everything led to where you are today. But we know in business, it's oftentimes a windy road <laughs> and there are playing small moments and there are wins and there are victories. Um, but what I find levels the playing field and, and has people be very relatable is when they share those playing small moments, right? Those moments where we might have undervalued ourselves, held ourselves back and later on realized, oh my goodness, I was so capable in that moment. Why did I ever doubt myself? So if you could share with us your playing small story and the lessons you've learned. Absolutely. And just to hit on that like windy road thing, I don't think there's anything more windy than like owning a tanning salon, making jewelry and selling it online, doing websites, and then becoming a <laughs> podcaster, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which has kind of been my windy road. Um, but yeah, whenever I think about playing small, I think the first time I decided to take my web design business, like quote unquote legit. And, um, and so I had just sort of put it into perspective. I had been selling jewelry on Etsy for about a year and a half. Um, it was going amazingly. Like it was my full-time job for sure. Um, I was making money. I had lots of great customers. I was, you know, growing my brand and really like enjoying the, the process of making and designing jewelry. Um, loving it, loving all of it. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to take my jewelry store 
um, off of Etsy and onto my own website, which um, had me diving back into those web design development skills. And pretty soon, all of the friends that I had made around Etsy um, were asking me to design and develop websites for them as well because they also wanted to get off of Etsy. And so that's how I ended up finding my way from jewelry to websites, <laughs> how that path happened. But the first time I decided to sell a website um, to someone that I didn't know, I decided to open up an Etsy shop for selling websites, which is all very ironic. And um, and I sold one. I sold my first one for $100. My first oh. e-commerce website for $100 because I had never sold a website before. Um, I knew how much they cost. Like I had been doing my own research and it's one of the reasons why I had design, decided to do it myself. Um, so I knew what they were worth and how much work went into it. But like my thought was, you know, I don't have a portfolio. I've not done this for anyone other than myself and a few close friends, um, but even then, not on this scale. And um, and so, yeah, I sold my first website for $100 and immediately knew how bad of an idea mm -hmm. that was. Um, I ended up having several weeks of work ahead of me <laughs> with very little to no pay. Um so I learned immediately that, um, that, you know, the skills that I had, even though they weren't super tested, were super valued um, and or valuable. And I, um, I had completely underpriced myself. Um, I ended up going back to that client a little while later and, um, and talking her through the process. They were great clients. I ended up having them for several years afterwards. I did a couple of redesigns for them. And the project ended up becoming much more worth it for me because they needed more things. And we did some uh, some price scale adjustments um, to how it was. I was um, I was pricing things. But, um, but that was definitely a time for me where I didn't go into that business transition as I should have. Um, mm -hmm. I was completely undervaluing my own skills and abilities because it was something that I hadn't sold before in that kind of way. And it taught me a lot. Like I never, I never did that again. Basically, it taught me a ton about how to really correctly evaluate um, the value that you give your customers and the amount of time and energy that you do put into the work that you do. And whether it was whether it was, you know, going f further with my web design offerings or whenever it came to later transitions with my own digital products or um, or even with, you know, transitioning over to the Being Boss podcast. Like now I am always the person that will encourage my clients or people in the community to double or triple their prices right out the gate. <laughs> because whenever you are launching something, you are absolutely not understanding the value of it. Um, and if I had only had a, a mentor back then to sit me down and tell me straight up whenever I launch these services how to really price them, um, it would have made a world of difference. But also maybe not. Maybe that was just a lesson I completely needed to learn in that way. You know, Emily, it's possible, you know, because sometimes those those really like hardcore lessons are the ones we take with us forever and end up benefiting us. But there was a word you used that I think underscores it all. It was the first website you had sold. Yes. You had experience already. You had built your own website. It was probably beautiful. And you could have showcased that. And I have a client um, who also struggled with this. She has applied her 
services to her own business. And she's been doing pro bono for friends for a while. And she is balking at selling that service. I'm like, you are already a rock star. You are already (laughs) proven, you know, and there is a case to be made, you know, for people who are first going out on the market who don't have any portfolio at all, you know, that you have to kind of, you know, bring your prices down a little bit, not a hundred (laughs) dollars for, 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 you know, a website like that. Um, but you know, you scale it down a little bit, but that's if you don't have any portfolio, but you already had a bit of a portfolio and could have made a case for why you were worth more money. But you're right. You take it with you. It's something you definitely um, monitor and think about with every new venture. And it's something you're helping your own clients with as well. Yep. That's how it works. It was an eye-opening experience and one that I get to present to my own clients all the time as like, even you see where I am now, but once I sold a website for a hundred bucks, it's a powerful story. And now I want to get another story from you, but this one is about your wake up call for some people. It's a bolt of lightning, right? They get hit over the head for others. It's a slow awakening, but no matter how it comes about there's always a moment where there's an insight and you're ready for action. So if you could share with us your wake-up call and the steps you took that led to your success. Absolutely. So I had a hard time choosing which because I feel like I'm the girl that's made up of aha moments. Um, But I think one of the biggest ones I feel like I had was, this is after we started being boss. This is like Five and a half years after that $100 website, um, I had spent, you know, about five years hustling out website projects for clients who were starting, you know, awesome online businesses, um, transitioned some into doing some coaching and, um, and then also cultivating my relationship with, uh, Kathleen, who is my podcast co-host, um, at being boss. And, um, we had been, you know, cultivating this relationship and doing some work together. Um, professionally, she, um, has a branding business. I had a website business. We were doing some projects together and I sort of had this moment once where, um, where I knew I needed to do a podcast. Like it just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to do a podcast. It's going to be fantastic. And I have to do it with Kathleen. So I sent her a pitch email. We started the podcast. Um, and about, 10 to 15 episodes in, we can't, can't really remember. And we do an episode a week. So about three months into the project, um, fresh books, uh, fresh book cloud accounting got in touch with us and wanted to be our sponsor. And, uh, Kathleen and I were ecstatic. We were so happy. Uh, we had gotten approached. We weren't even ready to go after sponsors yet, but our community was growing. Um, we were getting really good numbers right out the gate. It was making us really happy. So we go into their, that first meeting with this number in our head of like, we're going to get this much per episode. We're going to have it made. We're going to do like some social media takeovers. We're going to take over their newsletter. It's going to be amazing. And they were like, um, um, no, <laughs> they were like, we're going to start really small. And they gave us a number that was probably less than half of what we went into in terms of how much they were going to pay us for each episode. And they said, you know, we'll talk about all the extra stuff, but right now we're just going to sponsor the podcast. So we're like, okay, we'll do it. And then, um, about three months later, we go into a meeting with them, um, to discuss like the next quarter, like how conversion rates are going. Are we going to adjust the price per episode? Um, and Kathleen and I go into that meeting as well with a number in our head. And during that call, they pitched us our new price and it was higher 
than our number that we went into the meeting with because our conversion rates were so much higher than even some of their super large podcasts. Um, Kathleen and I got off the phone flipping out, like called each other back immediately. I remember we were in a, um, on a road trip in Colorado and Kathleen was in her home in Oklahoma and there's just ecstatic moment. And it was also the moment that I really realized that the things that we were doing in being boss was way huger and becoming becoming way huger than either of us had ever anticipated to have not only have gotten the sponsor right out the gate um, to like help fuel it, but also cultivating a community that was really listening to us and was really hungry for the things that we were that we were putting out. Um, so that for me was the aha moment of like of having this huge gratification from our sponsor um, and not even, you know, just sort of like petting us, but like numbers of mm -hmm. showing us that what we were doing was being so impactful. It was about that time too, that we had started our Facebook group. It was growing by leaps and bounds. And so for that, that was really, that was really it for us. That was the moment where Whenever I think about like being boss, like that was my happiest moment, like this utter gratification and complete understanding that what we were creating was far larger than ourselves. Um, and like we were, we were going to get paid well to do it too, which is always nice. I know. And you know, it really underscores that just because somebody has bigger numbers, it doesn't mean they're providing more value. Right, exactly, because we were significantly smaller than um, than most of the other uh, podcasts that they were sponsoring, mm -hmm. but um, our conversion rates were amazing. Like our people were way more amazing than everyone else's people, <laughs> <laughs> and definitely more engaged. You know, and yes. that's the thing. And and you know, as a podcaster too, you know, you go to different seminars and workshops and conferences, and they're constantly saying, you know, don't worry about the numbers. If you get a hundred downloads on one episode, you've reached a hundred people. But then on the other side of this, it's you know, sponsors that only want you if you have ten thousand downloads within three months, and you know, so then people do this whole judgment thing. Like, do I have a good podcast? Do I not have a good podcast? And you know, what you really have to base it on is how is your community responding? Yeah. You know, are they be, you know, are they feeling an impact? Are you making a difference for other people? And you know, what was really nice with uh, the whole fresh book sponsorship is it gave you an opportunity to know that they were hearing what you said. They were trusting you. They were taking your advice as you promoted this sponsor and they were interacting. Oh yeah, it was it was so huge for us, and um and it, it really sort of sort of shifted my perspective with a lot of things around online business because you know the fact that we did have small numbers um, or smaller numbers, but we're having such um, such great conversion rates really made me revisit everything I had really experienced and believed and seen um, with like, you know, your email list numbers or your Twitter following or your Facebook following that it really isn't about these massive numbers. It's really how the people are taking the value from you or if you're adding enough value that they're going to, you know, somehow deliver it back to you. Um, and just cultivating those relationships because you only need a couple, you only need a couple really great relationships to, um, to really get you going in whatever it is that you're trying to do. So that shifted my perspective in lots of areas. I love that. And Emily, if you could 
you know, one of the things I'm, I always want to do with this podcast is really get the message out that there is no one way to lead. I think sometimes that's a trap for a lot of people. They see somebody who's successful and they go, I got to do exactly what they're doing. But that person might have a different personality type and different strengths and all of that. And I really want to get across as much as possible that because of our different experiences, because of our different personality types and our strengths, we lead differently. And that's a good thing. Like the, we, we need to have leaders with all different styles. So Emily, how would you describe your leadership style? <laughs> oh, I don't even know. I have to ask my team this question. Um, I don't know. I just like to keep it as real as possible. You know, I, I, I think about this in terms of like my team and how I lead them because like team, um, Leading them along is my job and being boss, but also at Indie. But also I think about my community as well. And I think it's about being as transparent as possible. Like I'm just, I tend to be one of those people that um, that will be as transparent as I can be. Um, sometimes maybe even a little more so. That's usually more Kathleen style than mine. But um but yeah, it's it's about just sort of letting it all out. Like if I make a mistake, I'm gonna be the first person to admit to it. Um, and then absolutely allow other people to fix it and send me like, um, tongue sticking out emojis if they need to. Um, but, but yeah, being super, just super out there with as much as I can. But I also have this thing where I refuse to ask anyone to do anything that I would not be willing to do myself. Um, and that's one that I've taken back, uh, or taken with me from way back, like tanning salon days. Like I'm not going to ask anyone to do anything that I would not be willing to do myself. And I think, Going into um, going into any relationship, whether it be like with a listener, if I'm telling them to like quit their day job right now and go do that thing, like if I'm not willing to do that, I'm not going to tell someone else to do that. Um, or even with my team, they've seen me clean toilets um, just so they can see me do it so I can make them do it next time. But <laughs> but I think that I think those two things are probably are probably most voices. My leadership style is being just super transparent like and being totally okay with like either taking the blame or letting people know that I messed something up. Um, but also never, ever telling someone to do something that I would not be willing to do myself. Mm -hmm. Just keeping it real, keeping it That's super real. <laughs> I love that. And Emily, you have a lot going on, but what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Oh, right now we're, um, we're launching the clubhouse or relaunching the clubhouse. The clubhouse is our, um, our paid community our exclusive community at being boss. Um, we launched it about six months ago as this super just lean, simple offering, um, where we were taking, uh, people who were kind of done with our like 15,000 plus member Facebook group, um, who wanted something a little more intimate, um, and allowing them into a private Slack group and then offering, uh, we were doing some monthly master classes and secret podcast episodes, um, which is all good and great. But Kathleen and I really looked at that offering um, and wanted to make it something that was really meaty and results focused um, and just really set up our bosses, which is what we call them, um, for success, much more so than just giving them like a noisy Slack um, channel. So. <laughs> We've been uh, we've been working on that restructuring the clubhouse, getting that relaunched. Um, I guess whenever this goes live, it will be up and ready and going. And um, and Kathleen and I are super stoked about this offering and how it's really going to 
really going to allow us to get in deep with, uh, with our listeners, like the ones who really want to join us to really help them be boss of, um, of their work and their life, to set some goals, to hold each other accountable. Um, and, and there's even like a retreat, um, portion of it, an optional retreat. So we'll get to meet and hang out with some of our bosses, which is mine and Kathleen's favorite thing to do. Every time we go on a conference or we do one of our boss vacations, like we just cannot get enough FaceTime um, with uh, with our people. They're all doing such cool, creative things and starting these businesses and just, just doing really cool, cool, awesome boss things. Um, so we really are excited about having this retreat option that will allow us to spend a couple of days having wine and giggles and, and stuff with people who are doing awesome things in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're that type of person, you crave being around other people who are up to the same thing. Yes. So this is very cool. And on the flip side of things, Emily, what is your biggest leadership or business challenge that you're currently faced with? Oh, sometimes adulting is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my biggest one. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's it's my job at being boss. We have a team of of about seven people, I believe. And um, Kathleen takes care of content and she does all the planning for like our conference talks and our curriculum for the clubhouse and those sorts of things. My job is to make sure the team gets everything done. Um, so I really am like the leader of a seven person team, which I think is fantastic and I totally love, but makes adulting hard when people are always looking at you. Um, sometimes I just want to like stay in bed until 11 a.m., but there are people expecting me to be at work. Um, so I think sometimes that's really my biggest challenge, just like internal, actually having to do it um, and keeping everything super organized, um, which is probably the thing that makes my head want to explode the most. We have a lot of a lot of things going at any given time between being boss and indie shopography and some of our clients that we still have at Indy, um, I'm in charge of making sure that a lot of tasks get doled out and scheduled in the right way, uh, which I'm really awesome at. And I certainly don't hate it. But um, but I guess I guess that means the daily grind of leading is probably my biggest challenge at the moment. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if I'm going to make you feel better or worse on this, Emily, but I don't think that feeling ever completely goes <laughs> right. away. I know, I know. <laughs> You know, I probably have close to 15 years on you. And there are some days when I wake up and I'm like, am I really responsible for all of this? Like, really? Yeah. How did I get how did I get here? Right. Like, or even when when's recess? <laughs> when's nap time? That's what I want to know. Um, right. No. And like even whenever I think about my community, you know, showing up with a smile on my face and my teeth brushed, like just daily grind things is definitely what. What is the biggest challenge? Otherwise, I love it all. Like, it really is fantastic. I guess if brushing my teeth and my hair and putting my lipstick on is my biggest challenges for a day, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, if it went away, we'd be sad. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> and Emily, you kind of alluded to some of them as well. But, you know, if you could give us a snapshot of the people you have around you who support you. Absolutely. Oh, I have some really good people. So first, there's Kathleen, who is my business partner at Braid. Um, I mean, not Braid. She has Braid at Being Boss. Um, Being Boss is the podcast we have together. She has a branding business called Braid Creative that she runs with her sister. Uh, but Kathleen is my business partner there. She does um, a lot of the content planning. Um, she's putting together the book proposal um, sort of 
all that content related uh, stuff is is her job. Um, there's me. I do uh, team management and also writing some of that content and just sort of checking off those tasks there. Um, I have my life and business partner, or as I like to call him, my baby daddy and money man, um, who is my business partner at Indie Shopography. And he takes care of all of the um, all of the money, legal accounting things for both Indie Shopography and being boss. Um, so he's always counting, counting the beans, basically making sure everyone gets paid. Um, and then we have our support team. So we have, um, First, we have Corey, my developer, who does all the website things. Um, he also edits our podcast, so he has those two roles. He's been with me for a super long time. He's super fab. Um, we have um, Caitlin at uh, Being Boss, who does our she does a lot of the content planning and a lot of the implementation. She does like our show notes and gets those loaded up and make sure our emails go out every week. Um, we also have Sharon who is new and she's my assistant at uh, Indie Shopography. She helps me with some being boss stuff as well. And then we have Jessica who is um, who does some design support for being boss. So she makes sure all of our our graphics get made. We have nice Instagram posts and those sorts of things. So um I guess that's all of them. I hope that's all of them. Anyone. <laughs> um, but it's all of us. <laughs> yes. It sounds like a big happy family. It is. We have a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, Emily. Now we're going to go into a quick leadership roundup. So if you could, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Asking people about their weekend. Really? <laughs> Tell <laughs> me about that. <laughs> Um, just taking a bit of interest in their personal life, letting, letting people know like whether you or whether they're your employer or employee or like someone in your community or someone that you like is in a group coaching program or whatever, like being interested in their personal life, makes people feel seen. Um, and whenever they feel seen, they're, you know, much more productive and active and happy and all of those things. So taking a general interest in their weekend or their evening or whatever it may be, um, I've found sort of puts everyone on a more even playing field and makes everyone's job and experience a little happier. Yes. And for those of you who are going to try this practice at home, the key is to be genuinely interested yes. and patient <laughs> and listen. Because if you ask that question and then hurry them up with right? their answer, you will have uh, self-imploded at that point. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. And Emily, what's one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Oh, one book that I always go back to is not even necessarily around leadership, but rework by um, Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen. It's kind of the being boss like business Bible, where it just sort of puts you in a really good mindset of like, here's how you get shit done. Um, and I feel like that's that is like leadership skill 101. Like if you can't lead yourself to get things done, then you're going to have a hard time leading anyone else. Mm -hmm. And what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, wake up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. If I had the skills now to just wake up a little bit earlier, um, I think I'd be pretty good. I've, I've always been like pretty solid on the just like driving forward, actually maybe a little annoying with it. Like I've always been a super driven person just doing what I want to do. Um, but <laughs> that getting up early. That's always been my biggest struggle. <laughs> Love it. And share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. 
Sure. So this is a super personal one, but one thing that I focus on consistently, um, is less about like just some quote, um, or even mantra, but I like to set like one word focus, um, intentions. So, um, any given month I'll have one right now. My intention is grace, um, which with an eight year old in the house is super difficult, but is one that I am trying to cultivate consistently. Um, and another one that I do consistently also is like my word of the year. And so this is the year of joy and really focusing on doing projects that bring me joy and being very mindful of all the things that I say yes to and having permission to say no to things. So whenever I think about my success, quote or mantra. Um, it's about really focusing on those like one word focus intentions. So right now, joy, my year long one and grace, which is my word of the month. <laughs> Love it. All right. Lastly, Emily, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Oh, definitely have to go to beingboss.club and check out all of the things that we have going there. We have weekly podcasts and mini-sodes as well as blog posts. There's tons of content that you can that you can enjoy over there. Um, there's also the Being Boss Clubhouse in case you are interested in a more intimate community and access to Kathleen and I. Um, and then just for fun, I love Instagram. So my personal Instagram account is Emily M underscore Thompson. Um, it's like my little personal art project and I share fun things. Um, but Instagram's my jam. <laughs> I love that. And for those of you who are listening along, you know, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. Put Emily's name in the search bar and her show notes page. It'll be under Emily Thompson will come up. You can click through there and get all of the resources that she shared. Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Oh, thank you so much. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to WomenTakingTheLead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.